Welcome to The Pursuit of Life, where we share inspirational and action-focused stories to help you live a life of adventure. Proudly presented by Knightswood House. Now, please welcome your host, David Hazelwood. So this week, we've got Andy Hayden on the podcast, and Andy's got to be one of the nicest guys getting around. He's got a successful finance career. He's got a gorgeous family with two young daughters and an incredible passion for running and an amazing list of running achievements as well that we'll touch on in, in the course of uh, the conversation today. So welcome to the podcast, Andy. Look, thanks for having me. As people know, I love talking about running, Dave, and even more so with, with yourself. <laughs> so I'm always curious to ask people, Andy, is when you were a kid, what was it that you looked at and said, that's what I want to do when I grow up? What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, okay. That's a tough one, actually. But I'm not sure I have grown up yet in some aspects. But if I'm honest, so I'm 45 now. Earliest memories, I'm pretty sure I wanted to be a zookeeper. Loved animals. You know, maybe I'm a nice guy. I'm a fairly compassionate kind of guy. So yeah, we always had pets as kids. I'm pretty sure my earliest recollections was a zookeeper. And then I think I seem to remember, you know, a vet. And then I probably found out halfway through school that I was probably going to need some pretty serious qualifications to get there and maybe that put me off a little bit but my dad but to be fair my dad was in finance and I think it's probably fairly inevitable that I'd end up in some sort of finance career based on what dad was doing and I looked up to my dad so I think he would have been a big influence on on that but yeah, maybe in another life it could have been a zookeeper. It would have been fun in Taronga. Well, yeah, and having seen uh, your recent trip over to Africa as well, and the uh, well, there you go. See, yeah, the love of animals hasn't changed. No, well. so the safaris and things like that you went on over there. Okay, so you you mentioned your dad, and you you obviously now work in finance. So, um, yeah, was that just a, a natural progression, you know, from your dad, or um, was there something that drew you to it? Yeah, good question. I think so. Going back to school, I you know, grew up in the UK, right? So, so it was A levels, if that means anything to people. But the, you know, when I got down to choosing subjects, economics was one I loved, and funny enough, biology as well. But I didn't choose. This probably defines the conversation. I was fantastic at biology and loved it, but didn't think it would be necessarily that useful for my career. So I didn't take that when it got to choosing the big three subjects that you do at A level. And I did maths and economics and actually geography. So I was already going down that sort of financy path. When I went to university, I did a, a business studies finance degree. So clearly the path was set in the late years of school and into university. And I did a degree with a gap year where I worked for what at the time was Mercury Asset Management, SG Warburg, one of the finance names that's gone. But again, that set the, the scene. Now, my mum and dad actually met at Barclays Bank. So they were both working for Barclays and I did do a short career at Barclays straight after, after university, but soon realized the sort of asset management side was of more interest than the sitting behind the, you know, the till at a, at a local branch of Barclays Bank, which I did to be fair for a few months and I didn't love it. Didn't love it. And what's your role now? So business development. So my title is institutional director. So it's working with the, yeah, the large institutional investors in Australia across all the different regions and New Zealand as well, to be fair. So really, you know, bringing the capabilities that we have as, as a big global asset management firm to very sophisticated investors um, in terms of, you know, across asset classes, insurers, you know, obviously the big super funds. Yeah, and I really enjoy it. The conversation goes in all different directions. It's, it's very interesting. 
And uh, I remember having a chat with you a little while ago and you mentioned that uh, a lot of the people that you try and work with are fellow runners and uh, just so you can go and recruit them and go out running and talking business. Is that still the case? I think it's a fairly small pool, but it is fair to say, yeah, I would, if I'm honest, I'd rather do some meetings over a run than a a coffee catch up or a a pitch presentation in an office. But I think that's fair to say that that's a fairly short list, but you're right. I do. uh, The the beauty these days is when you sit down across the table from a potentially a stranger you haven't met before, if they've got a Garmin on their wrist, there's a fairly clear indicator as to whether they're into their fitness or not. We didn't used to have that 10 years ago, but I'd say now, it's a reasonable lead indicator that they're into it, and we can we can move the conversation onto running fairly quickly at some point. It used to be pretty uncool. The, the very first Garmin's were pretty chunky, as I'm sure you remember. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm no fashion expert, so I still wore mine with my suit and tie. I don't think everyone thought it was great, but these days, obviously, with the uh, you know the Apple watches, it's a bit less uncool. I think <laughs> I don't know, but uh, and the watches have got a bit smaller. But yes, it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like the signature of, you know, this guy likes to sneak in a run at some point during the day. Either that or you switch watches, which is too hard. Yeah, no, I can, I can never do that. So how did you get into running? Because I know it's a massive part of your life now. Look, so yeah, there's a few different angles. Again, I will give my, my poor father, bless him, has passed away these days, but he used to manage, he actually set up the local football club in the town I grew up in. And to help raise money for that, he used to organize an annual fun run on New Year's Day back in England. And so that definitely was one of my, that would be my first official event, I'd say. Um, I seem to remember dressing up in fancy dress. Um, New Year's Day in England is cold. It's midwinter, right? It's January. So those were my first official events. I played football all my life, but, um, what, but my dad had a heart attack in 1995 and we were at a actually a football match Queen's Park Rangers my team we were at the game at half time we were 1-0 down he disappeared to go to the toilet and never came back and I started getting quite worried and he was collapsed in the bottom of the stand with paramedics actually which is interesting and I yeah he survived that he was pretty lucky because there was a heart focused hospital minutes away and an ambulance at the football stadium so again if that had happened at home it could have been a very different story but he got very lucky there survived that and I actually I'd watched the London Marathon on TV many times as a kid. It's a big event over there, like City to Surf here. And I decided I was going to have a crack at the London Marathon to raise money for the Heart Foundation, British Heart Foundation, after they looked after Dad and his heart attacks. And that was the first official real running challenge. I got through it. My first time was four hours, 17 minutes, which is solid but average as a, as a runner, you know. But I went back and did it 10 years in a row. And fell in love with it. I fell in love with the event. I fell in love with running. And that's where the bug sort of really started, definitely. I remember buying a very cool-looking pair of Nike trainers at the time, which you probably wouldn't have bought now, but very naive. Yeah, wow. And if you want the full detail, I ran with a – I had a Walkman on my belt. <laughs> and, I, and I was wearing um, a pair of Andre Agassi tennis shorts. It was not a – so yeah i was clearly not a runner <laughs> i had no idea what i was doing how much training had you done for it because you said you've never really done much i got no idea i played sort of i guess you'd call it almost semi-professional football as a goalkeeper so i was playing football saturday and sunday saturday was the serious you know sort of almost paid football sunday was with your mates kind of pub league 
but a good pub league. Yeah. And when all the guys, after the game on a Sunday morning, the guys would disappear off to the pub and I'd have to start going out for my long run. Oh. It's quite brutal. But again, yeah, that was probably the starting of mental toughness, discipline, because, like I said, yeah, I had to go out and crack out my long runs at Sunday lunchtime, having played football in the morning. Oh, but I guess yeah. the beauty being having been in goal, I was probably not as beaten up as some of the other players because, you know, you're not getting kicked around so much when you stood in goal. Yeah, no. Well, no, hopefully well, not anyway. Hopefully not, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've run... And how many London marathons have you run now? Well, to be exact, so I did 95. I then went to university. When I came out of university, I did 98 through to 07. And that's when I immigrated to Australia. I've done lots of awesome runs since, but I haven't been back. And the beauty is next year, I'll put this on record because my wife can't disagree with me there. She <laughs> has agreed to me going back to do the London Marathon next April. Oh, wow. And that'll be the 25th anniversary of my first one in 95. So wow. that's, that's a great, you know, this is the way it works in the household, right? You've got to come up with a pretty good case for <laughs> getting a getting an offshore <laughs> event. <in. laughs> so 25 year anniversary. I think that's pretty cool. That's a pretty um, cool. It's actually the age group world championship, I believe as well, if that's the right description. Oh, wow. You know how they do, I don't know if you know that the marathon series now they have, if you, if you sort of call off, if you run like top five in your age group, but lots of the big global, or you know, like the Chicago, oh, Boston, yeah. London is the first sort of official final for the age groups. Not that I'm planning to be anywhere near the pointy end, I don't think, but that's quite a cool And Again, that came into the case for me being allowed to run next year. <laughs> Did you do a lot of research for this, don't you? Being a salesman, I have to work out the, you know, I have to sort of work out my case for and present a pretty compelling case to the wife to sign up on these <laughs> offshore, <laughs> offshore visits oh. but, you're, but, but I haven't run London since 07 oh, 06 oh, oh, actually I'm lying yeah, oh, well. so it's been a while I'm due, a, I'm due a comeback yeah but it's a pretty special run though isn't it London yeah and it holds a big place in my heart I mean that's where it all started for me absolutely and what's your so you said your first marathon was a 417 yeah what's your best so I got down to 2.36 doing London each year in a row. I think I, I ran a low 2.36 at another race, which I could never, this was pretty early days of the internet and stuff, right? I never, I could never found an official result. I had no Garmin on. So technically I ran a PB, but I've oh, never no, actually no. been able to prove it to anyone who's... And it's not on Strava. You're right. Exactly. So, it's, so it clearly didn't exist, right? It's not on Strava. It's, there's no internet site. Yeah, it was a pretty small local race, and I just had a blinder of a day. I won the race. There might have been an article in the local newspaper or something, you know, but nothing other than that. No proof, no footprint of that one. And who knows if it was even a correct course, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's been discounted, sadly. So, yeah. So the London is a high 236, I think. Wow. I should know the exact one to the second, but yeah. I'm not pretty chilled out. I actually don't. No. So on top of that, I mean, I know, well, what have we got? You've got two world records. Yeah. Yeah. Guinness world records, to be clear, right? As opposed Guinness to official records. athletics world records. Let's be clear on that. <laughs> <laughs> Novelty world records. Oh, come on. The the 24-hour treadmill world marathon, that's certainly not a novelty. No, that's a proper, yeah. And that's the team, to be clear, right? That was me with some yeah. better runners. But there yeah. was, what was there, eight of you? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think it was, I forgot now, that's terrible. 10 or 12, can't remember. 10, it was more than eight. I can't remember if it was 10. I think it was 12. It was okay. 12. And ran yeah. just under 425Ks in I'm glad you 24 that, hours. 
That's right. And then, as you said, uh, fastest marathon dressed as a monk. Yes, Sydney Marathon last year. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was fun for the spectators. Too. <laughs> it was. People were people were honestly kneeling down and crossing themselves <laughs> in front of me in Centennial Park, which was great fun. I mean, they were kidding, but it was hilarious. It was fun. Oh, that's fantastic! It was brilliant. And uh, you've also run. Um, you've been an Australian representative as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So. 2010 I became a citizen I ran comrades for the first time that year this big South African ultra which is around 90 kilometers and I realized when I was first Aussie home in that race somebody put on my radar that you can actually you know you can there's a hundred kilometer world championship most years you but you could make the Aussie team I thought wow okay application went in and lo and behold I, I got selected for Australia that year first year as a citizen which was pretty exciting and I've actually been in every team since yeah wow yeah, which is pretty cool. It's not a, it's, I think I've been picked seven times. I should know that as well, shouldn't I? Okay. And I've just been picked again. This is fresh fresh news. So there's an Asian 100-kilometer championship due to be in November. And three of us have just been picked to run in that team as well. So it's not a world championship. It's an Asian championship. But again, running for Australia over 100K. Yeah, well. Uh, and again, I'll put this on record. I'm there's a the male 45 over 45 Aussie record is seven hours 18 minutes, which I'm gonna try. my best is 7:25. Oh, go and I mean that's a nice little target to aim for. Probably won't happen, but hey, you've got to you've got to dream big. So that'd be quite cool. So that would that would actually be a you know that would almost be an official record, right? That would be a good one. That, that would yeah. be a Guinness one. <laughs> 7.18, that's phenomenal. I should do the maths on what that is. I can't remember what that, I haven't done my maths on it. It's quick. <laughs> be about 4, I don't know, 4.15, 4.20, I'll have to check that out. Let's not think about it. Yeah, no, don't think about that one too early. No. Go on. So, yeah, there's a whole range of things there. What's the one that you're most proud of? I think, look, to be honest, running for Australia for the first time was very special. I remember very, very clearly the day the, the kit arrived at my desk at what was Aberdeen, Aberdeen Asset Management at the time, you know, opening that up and seeing an Aussie singlet was pretty cool. So it, the first time was amazing. And even to, and then to complete 100K for the first time, you know, not stopping once, running a continuous 100K, that was pretty cool. I think that's got to be still up there in terms of... Uh, look, one of the biggest goals, so I first broke... 34 minutes for 10k in like 2004 probably and I got pretty close a few times since I've been in Australia to breaking 33 so in 2017 I ran 33.01 at Gold Coast and I was a bit gutted and so last year at the May 10k at Homebush I ran 32.36 oh um, wow and to be honest that was yeah just for whatever reason you know there's lots of other races and times but that sub 33 minute 10k was a real focus last year, and, and I, I don't know if you remember that. You know that race they have a big bell you can ring at the end of your. Yeah, I had yeah. my kids there, um, watching. That's a, that was a real special one because you know yeah that was a big breakthrough for me, and I I don't care if I never go any quicker again. I probably won't. I really focused on breaking. Having done 33.01, I really focused on breaking that. So I was chuffed when that race all came together and. Yeah, so that, that I guess it's got recency bias. It's only last year, but that was a real, I love that one. But that's incredible. I mean, you've been running for 25 years, yeah. or take, 
Absolutely. And you're still setting PBs. And like you haven't been mucking around either. You've run serious, serious events and seriously good times. Yeah. What do you put that down to? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? So I guess, you know, when I started in sort of 95 to 98, the running there through to 06, obviously you're on that early learning curve and you can get quicker pretty easy by just actually doing some training for a start. So that obviously helped. And then by 06, 07, I'd met my wife. We got married. Work, you know, career has stepped up a notch. I think, I, you know, that was a peak where I sort of stopped setting PBs. So to come back another 10 years later and have a crack at them and, and, and I've broken, well, I've broken five, 10, sitting surf, that counts, JP Morgan, you know, I've broken all those PBs in the last couple of years. I haven't broken my marathon PB yet, but I'll do that at London next year. And I haven't broken my half marathon PB. I'm about 20 seconds off that. So I haven't broken them all. But um, I'd say it's partly down to, you know, I try, I do, I just love right. I love running, I love racing. So I do way too many races and you can't focus on all of them. So if I'd run, I, to be honest, I haven't, because of the 100Ks, I've run probably, I think I've run 100K seven out of the last nine years. And therefore I've not focused on, I haven't done any big, fast overseas marathons, so it's hard to break the marathon PB from London at like a go a Sydney. To be honest, it's just not as quick as a Berlin or a yeah. London. So, sorry, I'm digressing here. I think no, but no. why I generally think, look, mental toughness, right? I mean, what you don't have as a 25 year old that you have as a 35, 40 year old is mental toughness and stubbornness. So I, I, I definitely think that part of it. I probably train smarter. I don't train anymore. Although I probably do do more Ks now than I did in the you know the earlier phase of marathon running because I had no idea then how to run. I mean, I never had a coach. I was just a footballer that loved running. Now I'd say I'm definitely a runner. Obviously, the you know all the online stuff you have, there's so much more research out there. But for me, it's just, yeah, I've got a busy corporate job. I've got two young kids. So when I go out for a run, I kind of get the most out of it, right? And, and running is a big part of my relaxation. It gives me endorphins. So I just try and make the most of it. And I think that mental toughness is the difference. Obviously, my body's holding up all right. But, um, yeah, I just think being really dogged about – and also I have a timeline as well. I, you know, I, every year I said to myself, this is probably my last year. I'm, 40, you know, I'm 43 now, a couple of years ago. This could be the last year. If I get injured, it's probably all over in terms of PB. So when I, get a, when I focus on a race, I really go out hard and give it a crack. Whereas I think when you're 25, it's very tempting at the end of the marathon to go, oh, it's not my day, maybe next year. And you lose the mental battle. Whereas at the moment, I think for me, every time I go out and race, I put it on the line because I think this could be the last chance, you know? Like it's sort of, it's almost less of a priority because the kids are the priority now. But when you get the chance, you make more of it because you don't know when you're going to get that chance again. Does that make Yeah, it does. I think that really helps. That helps the focus, so... Yeah, but equally, there's times when you just have busy weeks of work, you can't get the training in, but I don't beat myself up about it. I mean, I've got, I've got a 25-year base, right? So if I miss a week's training... <laughs> it doesn't really matter that much. That's the way to look at it, right? Some people get very stressed because they miss a day, and I'm pretty relaxed. I'm pretty relaxed. I don't really look at my totals. I don't get too excited by Strava. I just go out and run, have a blast, enjoy it every time, and a PB is just the cream on the cake. It's just an absolute... Yeah, well, bonus, but if I don't get them, you know what? It's not the end of the world. It's just running, right? It's not life. I don't know. So that sort of attitude seems to fit me. It may not be for everyone, but it, it sort of seems to work for me. And take I don't take life 
too seriously when it comes to running. Yeah. Yeah. How old are you girls now? So one, so seven and ten. So I've just turned seven and, and, and ten and a bit. Ten and a half. Yeah. Do you wish you could do more with your money? Knightswood House is a financial advisory firm that specialises in working with successful business professionals who share a passion for endurance sports or other adventures. People often come to us for one of three reasons. One, they aren't where they imagined they'd be financially at this point in their life. Two, they feel frustrated that they are earning good income but aren't doing more with it. And three, they are concerned that they don't have a strategy to make the lifestyle they're working so hard for feasible, both now and in the years ahead. Underlying all of these are nagging doubts about the future and a concern that they aren't maximising the opportunities created by their hard work. We have a nine-step process we take you through, which will simplify your financial affairs and take much of the hassle out of your hands, provide you with certainty that the strategy you choose to implement is right for you, and finally, get rid of those nagging doubts and give you confidence that you are on track to achieving the things that are most important to you. Ultimately, we can help you leverage your professional achievements into financial success so you can enjoy a life that is truly remarkable. For more details, head to knightswood.com.au. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, because obviously they're growing up and they're developing their own interests and all those sorts of things. So has that changed your... um, not necessarily your approach, but just the, the available time that you, well, yeah, sorry, it would have changed the available time. Of course it has. Yeah. So how have you, how do you manage that with, you know, I mean, I know you're, you're working for a global firm. So based in the UK, presumably that means that you're, you know, you're working at night as well. Yeah. And obviously you want to spend time with them. You want to look after your own interests and, you know, work and things like that. How do you juggle everything? Yeah, no, look, it's not easy. So one of the main things probably are, you're right, the weekends for me are family time and running time. But, you know, I'm not out. I don't go out like I used to, obviously. I'm not going out unless I'm out with my wife or the kids. So I do get my couple of, you know, Sunday morning is is my slot, if that makes sense. But um, the kids have swimming at 10, 10.30. So I've got to get out of bed early, get my long run in, and be home for swimming. That's the deal with the wife, and that's absolutely fair. My wife loves park run, so she gets Saturday morning. She does park run. You know, there's a few different ones she goes and does. Sometimes we'll take the kids to do park run, and, and you know, I wouldn't say they love running, but it's slowly rubbing off of them. They, they're beginning to enjoy running, or at least the being in the great outdoors, and they certainly like shiny medals at the end of a race, um, <laughs> which is fair enough. So... It's a, look. It's about priorities, right? So for me, running is a priority. I mean, it's you know not much else trumps it. If I can fit other stuff in and running, great. But family and work come first. Running is probably next, and then what it means is I miss out on. I didn't stay up till four in the morning watching the Ashes last night. Would have liked to, but let's be honest. I had work to do today. I'd rather be fit and healthy and not getting sick. So, you know, I love my sport, right? But the downside of being in Australia is a lot of it's on at the wrong time of of day. So I I do miss out on, I haven't seen live football matches. I miss out on lots of stuff I would have done when I was younger. So I don't go out drinking like I used to. You know, 
that's the compromise. And, and I have to be smart in my running. So I tend to commute. I, I live in St. Ives. It's probably, depending on which way you go and, and what you do, it's, you know, 16, 19K into the office. Then the best way of getting a long run in is, is running on a Wednesday morning. So I run in and then some days I might squeeze in half an hour, 45 minutes in my lunch hour. Some days I'll run home. But then if you're working late and running home, that means missing kids' story time and, and that's an important part of life. So I, I tend to try and get it done in the morning. The beauty is the kids, as they get older, tend to sleep in a bit more. So actually the earlier you get out, the less you're missing the kids at the weekend. So I think that's sort of what works for me. Um, yeah, I've got to learn to be a bit more work-life balance. I do work too hard. I am on my mobile, on my emails most of the time. And again, the challenge for me is to get my own time back sometimes because I put in a lot of work hours and I'm not very good at giving my own time back. How do you, um, what do you think is going to be the way you'll do that? Because yeah, it does become an addictive thing, doesn't it? Where um, we are always on on call and particularly when you're, you know, you're dealing with people in different time zones. So yeah, it's their work day when it's not for you. Yeah, it's a struggle for me. I'll be honest. I, that is probably one of my challenges. I do like to read, you know, I'm often reading emails late at night because once the UK comes online, there's questions coming to you. There's things people want. I think I just have to really, yeah, I, I expect people to think I'm there to answer questions and I probably don't have to be all the time. Right. So I think, Look, my Aberdeen Standard Investments has a great culture. Uh, people I work with understand health, well-being. So I don't think it's a pressure of work. I think it's actually myself. I, I'm a hard worker. I always was. So I have to learn to give myself a break, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's hard with, the, like you say, we have we have access. You know, clients are calling, emailing on public holidays sometimes at the weekend, and sometimes they do want to get hold of us. So for me, the, you know, what I've actually done is make sure we've got a bit of coverage within the team so that if I go on holiday, I can actually be on holiday. Someone else will be picking up emails, phone calls. That's important because there's been times when there hasn't been that sort of cross coverage. It is important to have downtime because you want you and yeah. And then and the way I've always argued it is, and there's quite a bit of research behind this is actually, you know, if you have a break during the day, get some exercise in, you know, your productivity is going to go up anyway, right? So I haven't. I'm glad to say I haven't had any bosses or direct reports above me telling me that I can't ever go for a run in my lunch hour or before work. But um, <laughs> if they were to, I think they'd see a decline in my productivity, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be productive. So, but it is true. I mean, exercise it energizes us. So if you when it's you know if you're unfit and you try and exercise, I appreciate it's hard. It's not part of your routine, and it actually exhausts you. But once you're fit and healthy. Once you get over that initial hurdle, it actually, you know, it's invigorating, it energizes you. So it's daft not to make time for it because it does make you a more, it makes you a better dad, husband, and it makes you a better employee, I think, because you're, you just, your energy levels are up and you're engaged and enthusiastic. And look, I do love, a lot of, do, I do a lot of my best thinking when I'm out running. Yeah. And sometimes it's even just a case of, um, you know, being able to clear your head, isn't it? Where you go out for a run and, um, you know, if you're really pushing hard, you can't be thinking about work or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think equally the flip side to that, obviously the problem is if, if you don't get out for your exercise, you get more tense and more stressed and 
less productive technically. So, you know, I think those of us that exercise regularly, we, but we prioritize making it happen during the days. So when I look at my week, right, I know I've got stuff on tomorrow lunchtime. I can't go out for a run. So I will prioritize trying to get it done in the morning. And if I know I've got a global call in the evening, I will try and get it done morning or lunchtime because I know it's not happening in the evening. So it's about being organized, right? It's about having kit on you, having the logistics in place and making it happen. We can all, and controlling the controllables, I guess. You can control certain things. Obviously, there'll be times when things crop up that you can't control and you have to suck that up as well. But if I'm traveling, I'm on the treadmill in the hotel gym, right? I mean, I will make some exercise happen. And you know what? Even if that doesn't happen, I'll probably be doing some sit-ups in front of the TV before breakfast or something in the hotel room. I mean, just something to make me feel like I've done something that day. You've done uh, something. So, yeah, am I a bit addicted? Well, am I a lot addicted? Probably. Is it a bad thing? I don't think so. It could be worse. Could be. Yeah, and given all the, the things that you've done so far, what's still on your dream list of events? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't think there's much left. Again, to be honest, I, I just don't, I don't really sit there and think about dream events. I think about, you know, yeah, what, what can I do? What can I make work for the family? London Marathon next year is, is my dream event. I haven't run London for a long time. But is the family all going? Yeah, because it lines up with kids' holidays. It's Easter. It's a time when my family are around in the yeah. UK. So much as it's selfishly, I want to go and run the London Marathon, it actually would work for the rest of the family. Yeah. Gosh, there's a long list of things that would be a, a lot of fun, but I wouldn't say they're priorities, if that makes sense. I got, I got to go and run Comrades again this year, the big South African ultramarathon, 10 years since I last ran it. That was amazing. But the way I negotiate that one with the wife and prioritize it is my mum has never been to Africa. She's not as young as she used to be. You know, she's always wanted to go on safari. So just my, my mum and I went, you know, she's in her 70s. She's still young enough to enjoy it. So we went and spent a week together, mother and son, never done that before. May never happen again. It was amazing. So that was worth, you know, putting aside other things and saying, let's make this happen, mum. Let's make, you know, she had to give up her bowls bowling season it was a very big commitment for her bless her yes. um, captain of the bowls team so she missed a couple of games and was struggling with that but you know what we had the best time oh, what, a wow. great, what a great chance you know we, we yeah. realize how much our parent once you become a parent you realize how much your parents gave up for you i was more than happy to give up a week to literally just live at my mum's pace look after her do what she wants to do as long as I get to do my race at the end of the week, but yeah, <laughs> so we've been there. So yeah, um, but honestly, yeah. So I mean, I've got. I really don't have anything. There's nothing. I'm desperate. I'd love to do lots of things. You know, the Great Wall of China marathon was something that I always thought would be very cool. It's about destinations, right? It's it's, it's a great excuse to go somewhere new, do something different. I try and do a different race every year that I've never done before, but not hard and fast. But I think it's nice to go somewhere new try something different but to be honest yeah it's more about it's going to be more and more about places that fit in with the kids you know what what do the kids want to do yeah and you said there um the girls have started running as well yeah they have yeah look the 10 year old's getting quite into it uh, look we're not pushing it by any means obviously they run at school i don't think genetically you know i wasn't born a runner my dad wasn't a runner i just spent years doing it but they're clearly influenced. They see what I do at the weekends. I'm really excited. They can now both ride bikes. So they can, I can go for a run and they can ride their bikes with me, which works pretty well. 
Yeah. But I am not pushing it at all. They're, you know, they're too young to, I certainly wouldn't force it upon them. I want them to do it because they enjoy it. And, I'm, and it is, but it is pleasing to see that that's starting to happen. So they, they, they'll do the odd part run. They're doing, I don't know, there's a race out at Homebush this Sunday where there's a 2K, which they'll both, both do. And they'll enjoy that. And my 10-year-old did do City to Surf. Not, you know, I didn't push it. My wife was keeping her to have, have a crack. She, she thought she could do it. And she, you know, she ran, walked in and, and had a great time. So I think she might, well, you know, that helps them catch the bug, to be honest, when, they, when they, they're part of a big event like that. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, well, okay. So um, the sorts of events and, you know, and the travel and things like that that you love to do, the, the going, uh, exploring new places, and you know, we're not talking little events here, we're talking you know, London, Comrades, you know, all those sorts of things. Obviously, it's not the cheapest hobby either. So how over time have you managed to kind of work things so that you're able to do that and look after you know, the family so that they can go and do things that they want to do and you know, obviously the, the long-term security that everyone needs to, to work towards as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I don't, well, in my mind, I don't spend a fortune running, but you know, others may beg to differ. There's all sorts of angles, right? I, I think running's a lot cheaper than golf. It's a lot cheaper than various other pastimes that we could be doing that are time-intensive and monetary-intensive. Look, Comrades was a one-off, right? It's 10 years since I last did a big overseas event. So let's be clear, these aren't, I don't do one every year. I've been to the Melbourne Marathon, what, four or five times in the 12 years I've been in Australia. My wife's sister's in Melbourne, so we'll make that work. Last October, we drove down, you know, it's kids' holidays. We spent, we had a week down there, fairly, yeah, not a big budget holiday by any means. I've done the Gold Coast Marathon, but a couple of times we've we've driven up because actually that aligns with kids' holidays sometimes. So this, yeah, I don't think I'm not. Race entries aren't cheap, so I don't. Again, I, I if I'm entering a race, it's there because I'm there to race, right? And and I'll make the most of it. But I'm not travelling much outside of big key events, if that if that makes sense. So don't be fooled by the talk of comrades at the London Marathon. That's Let's be clear, I haven't run the London Marathon for 12 years. I haven't done any overseas marathons. And and look, but the reason being is I've been picked to run for Australia quite a few times. These events are overseas. We pay our own way in terms of flights, but the local cities and the, the Ultra Running Association cover accommodation stuff. So they're not big payouts, if that makes sense. It's, look, it's a couple of thousand dollars. It's certainly not nothing. Yeah. But in the scheme of life, it's not horrendous. So that's where my travel budget's been. It's been running for Australia. And I think that's clearly been a place to prioritize me. Look, again, my company a couple of times has been very supportive and actually, have, you know, a part of my job, I need to go and visit our global offices. So my company has paid for me to return a couple of times to the UK to, to run in the world champs where I've tagged on a work trip. So, you know, a bit of flexibility around that, making it fit work constraints and requirements so yeah there's there's a way of making these things work but again it comes back to planning yeah, yeah. You know, and being smart next about year, it yeah next year i'm already thinking what's the priority okay it's probably london marathon love to go it's april that'll be our main family holiday for the year we haven't been back to the uk as a family since my dad died in 2014 it's five years already right so it's not like we're doing these things all the time i mean i'm lucky my mum comes to visit australia but my brothers and sisters haven't been out so yeah, I don't think, I think you've got to prioritise your money, use the budget wisely, 
just the problem with Australia, it's a, it's a big country, right? So expensive to go and run in Perth and Adelaide and, you know, there's lots of things. There's lots of things I haven't done, really. I've never done the Adelaide Marathon. I've never done the Perth races. I haven't done Alice Springs Marathon, which I think was on this weekend. So, you know, it might sound like I've done a lot. There's also lots I haven't done. <laughs> it's not like I'm doing it. It's not like I'm doing it all. Uh, what's your beer, your beer mile record like? BMR, I'm all right at that, to be honest. Um, given I'm not a 400, you know, I don't have the pet. Well, you know, I'm reasonably quick, okay, but my competitive advantage is more the longer stuff now I'm a bit older. I can't remember the exact time, but within my Hurt Squad, I'll give the Hurt Squad guys I run with a shout. We probably get 30 or 40 of us doing a BMR once a year. And I think I'm finishing sort of third to fifth to seventh around there. I'm trying to think, seven and a bit minutes? But it, but it's not down. But it's I'm certainly no drinker. I hardly drink at all. But the the ability to scull liquid quickly is very different to the ability to hold alcohol. If that makes sense. So <laughs> I've always been able to get the gas out of my body as required. If that, if you want to? You can edit that bit. But you're going off piece here. But I think the beer mile is down to be able to burp. To be honest, about. Drinking beer quickly and then doing a burp while you're on the next lap. Oh. <laughs> there's my there's my tip. I think it's the key is to get the gas out. Oh well, I never even thought of that. <laughs> I, I think that's what it comes down to. Otherwise, that's where you stop. your tummy gets sick and you know. Yeah, I mean to be honest, you don't get drunk, right? In seven minutes, the beers have not hit you. Yeah, yeah. The, the alcohol's hit your brain. So it's really and I go back. It's mind over matter, right? So okay, here you go. Here's my beer mild tip. I, in my mind, I convince myself I'm just sculling a glass of water. It's not alcohol. It's not beer. And then, so why would I get sick? I'm just drinking water quick. And I do. And that's that's. I mean, clearly, it smells smells like beer, tastes like beer. It's frothy. It is beer. But the ability to trick my mind, I think, helps me. And then at the end of it, and at the end of it, you start feeling the effects that it actually wasn't water. But hey, there's my there's my tip. Imagine you're just drinking a nice cold water. What is there to worry about? Oh, oh that's classic. Oh, Jeez. No, no, Harry, you didn't warn me about this. It's not my topic of choice, by the way. No. Well, you said And, and you'll be surprised. Some of the biggest, you know, some of the bigger drinkers in the group struggle with the pace of drinking, whereas I must admit, I'm by no means a big drinker. I hardly drink at all anymore. But my university days in the soccer team, we did used to do the old boat races and downing drinks quickly. And I think I could... That's all you've got to be able to do, right? It's not being able to hold the alcohol. It's just drinking it quickly. <laughs> and we know Australians have a good track record of this from the cricketers to... Uh, yeah, to prime ministers. <laughs> but, yeah. <gasps> but I don't even know if I talked about finances at all there. But, you know, I, I'm planning, right? You would be a big, you know, big advocate of planning. So back to that original topic, planning ahead, thinking about what's going to be expensive, what do you want to do, prioritising it and... Look, if you want to do a really big holiday race, then you've just got to plan it and factor it in and start saving if required. Or, or just being smart and booking in flights and stuff early and cheaply, right? I mean, it's it comes to planning again. Planning, planning, planning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it always comes back to that, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, one thing I want to ask, what's one thing that you really wish you were better at? Because you're so accomplished in so many different areas. That's a very kind thing to say. I'm not sure my wife or kids would agree with that. I, I don't know. I, yeah, you know, I'm, sure I, I'm not aware of the things I'm not good at because I'm 
my habits and you know what I mean? I'm talking about like social biases or not social behavioral biases again I'm probably not aware of the things I'm not that good at I think I can dance I don't think other people think I'm a good dancer <laughs> this, is, this is one of the reasons I don't go out drinking anymore is because my dancing's not great so I could probably you know it'd be nice to be able to sing and dance better not that I think they'd be that useful but you know the kids would appreciate it more. I'm not the staff. I'm not the snappiest dresser, Dave. To be honest, right? I mean, my fashion sense could be better. I'm time poor, right? So I often throw some running kit in the bag, go out for a run, and my my socks don't match my t-shirt or my singlet. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm not planning to the, I'm not planning the fashion stakes particularly well. I'm not the best looking guy, so I just do the best of what I've got. So. Um, that's my reason for going out running early in the morning it's dark and no one can see what you're wearing either yeah well exactly hide hide sunglasses <laughs> on a more serious note I think it would be that work-life balancing because it's just becoming a more important thing and if I'm being fully honest here so you know I have not been to many of my kids concert you know I've not done as much as I could right I've, I've prioritized work I'm in the city we've got client meetings in the diary so when I find out that my daughter's got a concert a week next Thursday I've probably I've often already got client stuff in the diary and I don't go and cancel my client stuff for it so I would like to be better at prioritizing family stuff which may seem as not that important but the kids are growing up fast and I've, I've missed out on a few things which perhaps you know i, I want to miss out less on if that makes sense yeah it's not like i don't work enough i work long hours i put more than enough effort in i love my company uh, you know and i love working for this Aberdeen standard investments but it's about being a bit more flexible right there's no reason i couldn't leave work early to get to a my daughter's in the choir, she plays the flute, you know, the other ones, they're doing ballet, swimming carnivals. The problem is there's so much of it. You can't do it all. Yeah. I'll give myself a little tick. So I did come into work late last week because the 800 metres was at 8 o'clock in the morning. So they had the school athletics carnival. So I watched the first couple of events and then came into the office. Yeah. No one complained that I was late, of course. But in my mind, I feel like, oh, I'm late to the office, or, oh, you know what I mean, I'm bludging. It's, it's, it's me. So I have already started, but I can still do better about making time for kids, you know, activity stuff. But it's planning. It's just being planning ahead, getting in the diary so no one else blocks that time out. So, yeah, that's what I could do better that would have a meaningful impact on my life. Um, being able to dance better would probably very... <laughs> That's probably going to be useful for my daughter's weddings if they ever get married. So maybe that, that would be something to aim for then. Being a bad dancer, though, gives you the right or the ability to go and embarrass your kids. And that's what it's... That's Absolutely. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything else? I mean, what is... You know, I don't know. You should tell me. Well, what do I do poorly? I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of it. Oh, look, I'm sure the kids will tell you as well. Well, you're right. Just ask They'll be a bit more honest. Than you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably not a good thing to ask. But yeah, we can all do better. We can all do better in certain things. Yeah. I, actually, you know, I, I'd like to have been a better swimmer. I'm a poor triathlete because I'm a good runner and that's about it. And I've done a bit of triathlon in my time. But growing up in the UK or in England, we're not born swimmers. We don't swim as kids. Um, I'd love to. And again, as a parent now, I see why I love getting both my kids out doing swimming lessons, right? Because that's a skill that will stick with them my first swimming lesson when I was what was it 2005 oh wow yeah it's the first time I'd ever had a swimming lesson you know we don't learn to swim at school yeah. I mean a proper swimming lesson I had been thrown in the pool a few times but I mean actually having stroke type lessons yeah 
Yeah, okay. So I was 31. Jeez. Yeah, a bit late, right? Yeah, but it's funny. I mean, I, I went back and did some um, some adult swimming lessons as well um, a few years ago, and it's amazing the different the differences when you, you look at it as an adult as opposed to when you're a kid. And I've swum all my life. Absolutely. But my, my 10-year-old swims effortlessly. It's beautiful to watch because she's been doing it for two or three years, right? I, I wish I'd done that when I was seven years old. It would be, yes. it would be paying dividends. So, you know, yeah. But it wasn't, again, it wasn't a priority for my parents. We certainly didn't have a pool. We never saw a pool. <laughs> I think there's still only, th- well, I'm really digressing here and I know we've got things to, but yeah, I think there's still only three, maybe three 50-meter pools in the UK, in England. Oh, wow. Surprised as Australians. I mean, amazing, right? They've built one, for, there's one in London for the Olympics. There's one in Manchester. There's a couple, I don't think there's many more. Jeez. Flying to Sydney, you, you see them in every suburb, right? Oh, you see them everywhere. yeah, yeah. And it's funny too, I've been overseas diving at various places and you talk to to some of the, the British people over there and they talk about learning to go um, scuba diving in the quarries. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And the highlight is when they see a, uh, a submerged shopping trolley or, uh, or a car that's yeah. been pushed in or something. Exactly. Now, I'm not here to bag out my home country. I know they're having a tough time with Brexit. We're not, I, didn't, I didn't mean to go down that path. But yeah, swimming, swimming not a priority in the UK would have been... Yeah, my parents wouldn't have seen that as a priority life skill given <laughs> we didn't live near the ocean or have a pool. It would be useful now because otherwise my kids are going to start leaving me behind if we ever go swimming and that would be embarrassing given their, their, their size and age. <laughs> oh, they'll love it though. Yeah. Okay, the last thing that I'm going to ask you is, um, it's a question that I ask all the guests, which is basically if you, um, if you could set a challenge for the listeners today, something that, uh, that they can do over the next week that will make a difference to their life. And if we think about the conversation that we've had today, there's probably a, a few areas, whether it's to do with um, kind of work-life balance or, uh, you know, or just the training, but something that you can nominate for people to go and do, what would it be? Okay, I haven't thought about this. I'm going off the cuff a bit, but I think this is a reasonable one and something we struggle with these days is, is what we'd call being in the moment. I think for me, the beauty about, like I love running in a group and being sociable, but I love running on my own. Because if I go out and I don't wear, I don't listen to music, even on a three, four hour run, if I was training for an ultra, I just go out, enjoy the moment, enjoy nature, get into the bush sometimes. That is really being in the moment. No distractions, you're just enjoying. You can hear yourself breathing, you can hear the sounds around you. That's, what I, that's part of what I love about running. And one of the challenges we all have at the moment is I think our attention spans are going down as you know our kids attention is hard to hold you know we're, the minute the phone rings we answer it the minute the phone notification goes off we need to be on top of it why you can wait right if someone wants to speak to you they'll call back they'll leave a message and this is less, and this work as well but not just work I think I'm conscious all the time of being in the moment more whatever you're doing right now focus on that and then let the other distractions wait and pick up on them one at a time. I mean, yes, we can all multitask and do what we need to do, but especially when you're spending time with your kids, right? Be be in the moment, you know, engage with them, eye contact, you know, enjoy what you're doing. You know, you know what? I mean, the, one of the highlights of my weekend, right? And this is says a lot about me. We were, I don't know, do you know what handball is? The kids, my girls, are into handball, right? So we're we've got a little bit of sort of like a little terrace out the front of the house. My daughter wanted to play handball. 
we ended up playing for about an hour, not even handball, but it turned into this kicking the handball football game thing with various obstacles. And I can tell you what, we laughed, we cried a couple of times, we lost the ball a few times. My other daughter played for a bit. It was, probably, it was the best hour of the weekend. There's no technology, there's no interruptions. We were, we were in the moment, we had an absolute blast. And it's one thing I try and do with my kids because I keep remembering what the best times I had with my parents. It was doing stupid little activities that cost nothing, not stupid, as in what you'd see is quite simple. They cost nothing, you know, yeah, just stuff like that. And this morning, I mean, it's another example. This morning, this might sound quite sad to some of the viewers, but I don't really care. We were playing balloon tennis in the living room. Oh, I haven't one balloon. One balloon, a towel was lying on the ground, and that was the net. I think we were heading it first, and then we were hitting it. But again, half an hour's entertainment, one balloon, absolute <laughs> stitches. I'm, that's the stuff I love. Because it's because you're in the moment, right? We're not yeah. checking photos on the phone or flicking through the TV. Yeah. Just Anyway, I, I suspect a lot of us can do better, me included, at, at just playing silly little games and having a laugh with your kids. And, we're, you know, not this, don't have to be kids to do that, right? No, that's um, right. Anyway, I, th- I think it's a lost skill of how to entertain yourself on a budget with objects around the house, <laughs> not needing PlayStations, televisions, technology. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, does that make sense? Uh, uh, yeah. And I worry that my I, if I look at my kids, I, I hope they would do that sort of thing with their kids and not be in a whole new world of, needing expensive toys and technology right because i find we have the most fun with just simple stuff being in the moment yeah but it's a challenge it is yes but it's such good fun too look andy thank you very much i know it's taken us uh, a while for our schedule to come together before we could uh, we could put this one together but um i've had a really good time talking to you so thank you very much a pleasure and look let's be honest again that was my time my slow responses to get this locked in all down to me being in the moment and you know what we've had an absolute blast i love talking to you and we could have i could have made that happen a month ago if i'd been a bit more organized so we made it happen and as always it was awesome when we did it so thank you for your time um always great to chat and i will see you out running i'm sure if, if soon if not what's next for you are we allowed to ask any what's next for you uh, yes, I'm doing the the Blackmores half, and the aim at the moment is to do the Melbourne Marathon. Awesome, excellent, cool. I will be doing the Blackmores Marathon, so I may see you out there on the day at some point. You will quite yeah, possibly cool. be past me. <laughs> no, we'll see. No, but I will be wearing no fancy dress this time. No fancy dress? No. <laughs> All good. But look, wonderful. Thanks. You. And you look, your podcasts are great. Thanks for asking the good questions. It's always fun. And yeah, hopefully someone finds something of interest in there. And uh, I look forward to watching your future editions. No, uh, thanks, mate. Actually, no, that was, that was fantastic. Thank you. No, good fun. All right. Thank you for listening to The Pursuit of Life. To learn more about how Knightswood House can help you live your life of adventure whilst planning your future, visit knightswood.com.au.